What's up, interpreters? This is Ronnie from Costa Rica. What's up, interpreters? I am NAI Executive Director Paul Caputo. Hey, hey, what's up, interpreters? This is Song, your NAI Conferences and Engagement Manager. And we just came off of our in-person uh, international conference to Costa Rica, and we met a fabulous, fabulous human being. He was our tour guide the entire time, Mr. Ronnie. And so we have invited him on, on this podcast to hang out with us because we just had so much fun. And we wanted to say, hey, what's up, Ronnie? You're an interpreter. <laughs> without, without even knowing I was, actually. Uh, it was pretty interesting. It was pretty interesting, the interaction and the whole experience, the whole idea and how this came out. It was so good to have you around and uh, pretty much I'm sure that I, um, I, I got you with the Pura Vida spirit. Am I right? <laughs> the Pura Vida spirit. Well, let's, let's talk about that. The Pura Vida spirit, such a fun part of the, the international unconference in, in Costa Rica. So I definitely want to talk about that. First of all, your full name. We haven't said your full name yet. Ronnie Alexander Munoz Blanco. Uh, what a you short were, one, right? <laughs> you were our our interpreter, our tour guide the entire time that we were in Costa Rica, and uh, we were in urban settings, we were in natural settings, we were in, in in cultural sites, and so it was you know it was a quite a challenge for for you, I'm sure. First of all, to have a group of thirty some interpreters, you know, folks who are sitting there you know, watching and judging. And so you had to win them over. That, that was your first challenge. But then also to do that in all of these various contexts where you had to be so knowledgeable in so many different settings about so many different things from museums to natural sites, uh, to urban settings, to cultural sites. So how do you do all that? Well, based on learning a lot, a lot of experience, a lot of um, mistakes, I'll have to admit. <laughs> and there's a lot of things that um, I like to put onto my personal thing, like my personal touch to every little thing I try to do. And um, there's a thing, having a group of interpreters and people who are based on tourism and, or education or some way, somehow, they know what I was doing in a way. Um, it was interesting because the very first day, I didn't know what the NIA was. I didn't know what was the interpretation exactly like. And then I, I was talking to our first driver. I don't know if you remember him, Marlon. I was like, Marlon, I'm, I'm kind of nervous right now. Like these people are going to be judging me. These people might not might know better than me how to do this. These people might, uh, might go directly at me some way, somehow. And then he was like, dude, just, just do you. I mean, do your own thing. Do what you know how to do. And um, if things goes out well, then you will, I mean, you will be all right. And then that's how I tried. I mean, I, I just, I let myself go with that statement. I just, I, I don't know. I, I just, I just did what I know how to do. And I believe it ended up quite good, quite good. And being on different stages, like museums, like natural places, like trails, like, uh, all those kind of things, being in a national park on a day and then having lunch with um, a group of ladies from Monteverde. Then I have to be a translator. So not only a guide, I, I, I'm also a translator. I'm also a therapist when I have to. I'm also a nurse <laughs> when I have to. I can be a chef if I have to. I'm telling you, this is a multitasking kind of job and it gets me uh, a lot of different experiences. It gets me 
a lot of knowledge. It gets me a lot of new experiences all the time. So it's, it's, I love it. I love it. It's, it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle and you must love what you do. Otherwise you're done. I mean, you're not going to survive in a place full of 37, in our case, 37 new people that you don't know, but they're all going to not judge you, but they're all going to look at you in a different way. They're going to have different necessities. They're all going to have different requirements on the trip. And that's the magic of this. I'm not following script. Never. Like I never follow script. <laughs> well, you certainly won us over all 37 of us. Um, we had an absolute fabulous time with you. But again, to Paul's point, you were so incredibly knowledgeable on on so many different subjects. But I really did like what you said about how, you know, you just trust your instincts and you be you and you provide the information you know, in, in the Ronnie style and, you know, your personality shows. And, and also, you know, it's the passion, the passion that shows, like you said, this is a lifestyle career choice and you have to be passionate about, you know, the subject matter. And um, I would assume sometimes, you know, there's difficult conversations, you know, you're talking a lot about um, conservation and, uh, you know, climate change. And sometimes those conversations can be a little tricky. So yeah, the passion has to be there. And, and it's an incredible thing because believe it or not, I do have the responsibility over a whole country. What am I yeah. trying to say with this is that these 37 people that was in our group will have an idea of Costa Rica under whatever I say. So the things I point out, the things that I come to uh, in a conversation, the things that I bring out into some sort of statement or whatever, that's going to be their idea of that part of Costa Rica, whatever I said about Monteverde, whatever I said about the different destinations we went to. It's it's a big challenge. I mean, it's a big challenge for me because whatever these people uh, are going to go to speak to their families about Costa Rica, it's whatever I say. And that is really a big responsibility. I mean, the whole nation, it's under my my statements and my speeches. You know, by the time we met you and you found our group, you were obviously well-established. We are very grateful that you were referred to us and that we did find you. I think that that having you as part of our international unconference in Costa Rica, you know, was such an enhancement of that experience for us. But how did you get started in this? What, uh, what, what led you to, to this point in your career? How did you get started as a, as a tour guide? And, you know, obviously speaking multiple languages, this is uh, this is an interesting career path that led you to where you are right now. So what, what is that story? How'd you get here? It was pretty cool because I never, never uh, wanted to be, I mean, I didn't plan to be what I am right now. I was wanting to be a microbiologist when I started, when I was finishing high school. And then all of a sudden, for economical situations, because of my English skills, I was hired by a zip line park nearby my place, nearby my, my parents' place. And then it all started like that. This this uh, zip line and adventure canopy guides, they were teaching me around. They were teaching me about trees, birds, and stuff. And and it was it was great because that kind of like started like a, a bit of a, an emotion and a bit of a feelings on me and, and and things that I wanted to learn more and more. And I was just there reading books. I had a big collection of books. And then I was like, hmm, I could do some money with this. I could do some career with this and I know a lot of people in this now and I wanted to dress like a guide. I wanted to look like a guide by the time because this this guide, the, this already certified guides were arriving to this zip line place. And I was like, mm, these people look good. These people do great things. I was like, I want to be one of those. And that's how it all started. I started university. 
I finished university, but I was doing a, at the same time my certification as a tour guide. I do have a diver certification. I was I was super busy all the time by the time I was in university and doing a part-time job on one-day cruise ships. That's how it all started. One-day cruise ships. Those were crucial to me because that kind of gave me a name on the industry. Because I was just there, just like the little boy just hanging around the cruise ships. That was me all the time. Uh, 18, 19 years old, uh, me. And then by the age of 21, 22, I could say I could have a little name, let's say. And then by the time I was 23, I was hired by this company that, that you guys were hooked to, which is uh, Swiss Travel Services. And they're one of the biggest ones in Costa Rica right now and uh, well-established. And they normally don't hire people of my age, but I, I kind of, I did a test with over 210 guides and here I am. <laughs> it was a technical test. It was a practical test with two more guides. They're actually now are my, I'm my co-workers and they were judging me. I remember these guys taking notes and by whatever <laughs> I, was, I was speaking and it was, I was pretty nervous, but then my boss, again, just be you, you be you, you do you. And that's what I did. And so I am here after, let's say close to 10 years of, well, 10 years of career, Right now, doing cruise ships, doing one-day tours, doing round trips, all kinds of things. Actually, we, I'm, I'm a trainer for this company. I'm a, well, what it's called, cruise ships assistant coordinator. And just doing what I love to do. That's what I'm doing. That's my career. You are so busy all of the time. So thank you for taking the time to talk to us. Um, I'm glad, I, you know, I feel that we formed a friendship for sure there in Costa Rica. So I love being able to uh, still be in touch with you. But what do you think are the challenges interpreting or guiding for international visitors? Like when you, you have so many different people from different walks of life, from different countries around the world coming into Costa Rica because uh, it's such a big destination. What are the challenges that you have with such an international market? We were facing a couple of things. We were facing uh, new markets as a destination. There's a new thing coming on, medical tourism, this kind of relaxing therapist tourism for people who have done uh, drugs or people that wants to, you know, like a clean, like a reset kind of thing. They do this uh, retirements in, in Costa Rica. But also we are facing, I'll have to say, positioning. What am I trying to say with positioning? All the little things that might not be, I mean, that much of a of a like for people, like the roads, like the change of uh, of stations, like it rains every day or not. <laughs> Those kind of little details will make a difference. And that's kind of like the difficult things you have to face with customers all the time. In Costa Rica, especially because I've been visiting different countries and I'm seeing it's not like that over there, like Portugal and Spain. But in here, you have to be multitasking because the same guy who does the museum also do the natural trail. So you must know about history. You must know about culture. You must know about art. But you also have to know about trees, birds, mammals, biodiversity. And then you also have to coordinate hotels, restaurants. You also have to coordinate where, where things are going to happen or not and make the, everything gets out in the right way. And that's kind yeah. of like the most difficult thing to do. Internal customers and external customers. One of the things that I think everyone responded to when we were in Costa Rica was how much it was clear that you love your home country and how important that is to you as part of you know that that experience for us. When you have visitors, you know, and you have them for four or five, six days, whatever, 
What is it that you want them to know or to feel? What do you want them to take home with them about Costa Rica? First, let me, yeah, let me totally agree with you. I'm a very proud person of my country. I mean, Costa Rica, it's paradise. I'll have to admit, actually, before this, I was talking about uh, about it with Song, and she was like, if I had a billion dollars, I'll go to this, this, and this place. <laughs> and I told I told her, like, if I had a billion dollars, I'll still be in Costa Rica. I mean, I might travel out, but that's... And how I want people to see my country is through my eyes. As you can see, I try to be as friendly as possible. I try to make a connection with people, and I want them to see my country through my eyes. That's why I don't follow a script. That's why you don't see somebody just there reading in Costa Rica in 19. So I don't I don't do those kind of things. I, I want them to see, oh, look at this. This this happened because of da, 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 da. or this was because whatever reason. And um, the way how I want them to see it is exactly like that, through my eyes, through somebody who loves their country. And and most of the comments that I get as a feedback, it's this kid is so in love with this country. This kid comes into so many places and they were so uh, they were for free and, and they were not like a touristy destinations they were just a random little corner where it was a beautiful thing and that's me I mean that's how I want people to see my country exactly through my eyes you know one of the things that was really evident there and we had a great session on this during the conference is the effects of of climate change we were in the monteverde cloud forest which is you know experiencing the effects of of climate change because it's not getting the rain and the moisture that it that it usually gets and the the effects are pretty dramatic how do you address something like climate change, which is having a very visible and dramatic effect on Costa Rica in a situation where you might have international visitors who treat that as some sort of controversial subject, right? Like when you have the fact of climate change versus, you know, approaches to climate change that, you know, might be frustrating for you as someone who sees the effects every day. How do you address a topic like that, I guess, is for some people controversial, though it should not be? The way I see it is um, facing a, an environmental problem. I mean, all those uh, controversial um, topics like religion, sports, you know, they're normal to tell you, don't speak about politics, don't speak about religion, don't speak about sports. And now it's a, this with the uh, environmental issues. I don't see it as a controversial thing because I'm the only one who can speak because I'm the only one on the mic. I kind of <laughs> <laughs> rule that over, but uh, the way I see it is, I start normally this statement with what we are doing as a country and what we've been facing. I mean, all these energetic programs that we are trying to look forward to develop in the country, all these clean sources of energy that we're trying to develop as well, and all the kinds of alternative things that we're doing to save our environment, to save water, to save light, to save uh, the forest, the conservation and uh, reforestation, it's a big thing. So all those things, I, that's how I normally put it. And then afterwards, after people understand what we're doing is good, I tell them the, the problem, the problem behind it. And then that's how I normally face this issue. And there's people who say, well, you know what? That was created. That's that's a topic that is not true. That, you know, this kind of things that they try to say, but it's safe to have its own way of thinking. As a country, let's say ambassador that I am in a way, I try to tell them what Costa Rica believe in terms of environmental problems and these kind of things. But 
that's it. I don't, I don't phrase it as a controversial thing. I just like to expose what Costa Rica is doing or not and what's Costa Rican point of view. Not personally, but as, as, a, as a Costa Rican, from Costa Rica, in Costa Rica. Blue zones are five places in the planet where people live average over 100 years old. Yes. And we got one of those. And that is kind of, in a way, for a Pura Vida kind of, and I could... So, obviously, coming to Costa Rica, it is a, you know, birder's paradise. And it is, you know, the 12 very distinctive different climate zones there. So a lot of times people do come for the biodiversity um, aspect and the natural aspect of Costa Rica and that experience. But also there's some really interesting cultural things in Costa Rica. We went to the Costa Rican National History Museum, which was amazing. There's this really interesting little blue zone, Ronnie. And why don't you tell us a little bit about that? It, it all goes with the Purvita phrase. Have you guys heard about this? I did mention that a lot, right? <laughs> I don't think you can, you, can't be, you can't be in Costa Rica for more than three minutes without hearing Pura Vida. Right. And Pura Vida will apply to everything. Uh, so if, if I see somebody, and I know that person is Costa Rica, would actually happen in Portugal. I heard a couple of people with my accent. I was like, hmm. That sounds familiar. And I was like, hey, Pura Vida. And people were answering, hey, Pura Vida. And that was great because <laughs> that's, that's a worldwide thing. But yeah, the Blue Zone and the Pura Vida, that goes together with the little fact that it's a stress-free, a stress-release, stress-handling or a stress-management kind of phrase. Because if you live from that concept, you will start thanking for everything. You'll start saying thank you for everything instead of saying thank you, you will say Pura Vida. And the Blue Zone, it's an area where people in average live over 100 years of age and there are only five in the world. And believe it or not, we have one of those. It's in the peninsula of Nicoya. And that's a very remarkable thing where people live there with a very good diet on seafood, based on seafood. Actually, this very famous UK chef where Oliver, I don't remember his last name, but Oliver was there doing his uh, research about seafood diet in that place, the water, the quality of life and the Pura Vida lifestyle. How does that Pura Vida lifestyle affects people? What you don't have, you don't need and just go with the flow. If it rains, we get wet. If it's sunny, we get a bit sunburn. That's it. I mean, people just live happily, live without complaining. And that, I will say, that makes a big difference. And that's why I keep saying, hey, you guys, are you guys Pura Vida? Hey, is everybody doing Pura Vida? Hey, folks, are, is everybody doing Pura Vida all the time? Why? Because I want people to get that into their heads and um, think it as a positive statement and think, Think about Costa Rica and think about their trip as a positive statement. Whenever there's stress, because we all get stressed, whenever we are tired or we're sick or whatever, just put a bit that comes into their head and makes their life a bit easier. Well, I'm recording this right now in Ocean City, New Jersey, where my diet has been mostly cheesesteaks and pizza. Uh, so I don't think that this is one of the 12 blue zones in the, uh, in the world. Ronnie, this has been such a blast to catch up with you again. We really did have so much fun and learned so much from you, not just about Costa Rica, but about, uh, you know, tour guiding and the, the art of interpretation. So thank you so much for, for catching up with us again on the podcast. It's been great for, for Song and for me to, to revisit with you after a great trip in, in Costa Rica. Normally, we wrap up and we, we get, you know, a song and the guest and I will try to say, hey, interpreters, that's what's up to 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 end the podcast. I think we might try to do it a little bit differently this time, given, you know, that we have Ronnie on as our guest. 
Hey, hey interpreters. interpreters. Pura Pura vida. Vida. Woo!